The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line now, we have Associate Professor Wendy Steele, who is an Associate Professor in Sustainability and Urban Planning in the School of Global Urban and Social Studies at RMIT, and also is the author of Quiet Activism, Climate Action at the Local Scale. Wendy, thanks for being on the program. Thanks very much, Mitchell. So what are you seeing in terms of activism and uh, people uh, campaigning for climate action at that very local grassroots level? Yeah, look, it's really, activism is a really interesting question. It, it, it has been a, a polarising term, but what we're seeing in the context of climate change, which affects everyone, is that there is a whole range of different ways that people can take action on climate change. And whilst momentum is growing around, um, you know, the, the the Glasgow COP context, it's also really important to recognise that how communities deal with climate change at the local scale is also critically important. So how are we seeing that? Because there's clearly uh, some debate around whether there's sufficient leadership coming from the national bodies, but it does seem to be a lot of grassroots organisations. Even here in Geelong, we see people campaigning and activism engagement down here. Does it work? Is it effective? It's definitely effective and it does work to a degree. So leadership in Australia is, is undoubtedly coming from the local scale and, and that's from some local governments as well as the great work being done by not-for-profit and community organisations and businesses as well, um, demonstrating through action uh, that there are different ways of, of you know, existing and, and creating sustainable futures. But but local scale action isn't enough on its own. Um, it needs to be complemented by uh, global scale and national scale initiatives as well. So um, the point that we make in our book is that all scales are really important. Um, and it's, it's not, you know, something climate change is something out there uh, for, you know, international political leaders to address. It's definitely something that's in here that we're addressing every day in in lots of different and really creative ways and we need to bring those different parts of the conversation together um, to really move forward on this. So how important is a summit like Glasgow, which is clearly the top level of government, all of the world leaders meeting together to try and reach a consensus perhaps? How important is that in comparison to that grassroots level activism or do they both have a role to play? They absolutely both have a role to play. I mean, we... We need to meet our targets to limit global warming by 1.5% this century. Um, we know that this decade to 2030 is absolutely critical. And so, you know, the negotiations that are going on at Glasgow are, are, are unbelievably important. But I think what, what, what happens is that sometimes people feel incredibly disempowered um, at the local scale when it feels like those negotiations are so far away. They feel like they can't participate. Um, they want to do something, but, you know, there's this sort of nagging feeling that what they're doing is, is trivial in the face of the global climate emergency. And I think that this is, this is what we need to really address at the same time as, as something as important as COP26, that, in fact, you know, local action matters. There are hundreds of thousands of great examples of where really progressive action is happening in Australia, uh, in Victoria, as well as the other states that we've looked at. Um, and holding on to that and knowing that, you know, the local actions aren't, aren't irrelevant, they aren't trivial, they, they, they are important, but they need to be done in conjunction with very significant 
global uh, international meets like uh, what we're seeing in Glasgow uh, in these coming weeks. Uh, I've spoken a lot on this program about short-term and long-term targets and the target we're talking about is in 29 years time, 2050. How do these sort of local grassroots movements go at making sure that it is sustained over that very long term um, in order to reach those ambitions of reaching, say, net zero in 2050? Does that tend to work or is local action more short-lived than that? Uh, it, well, look, I think where local action has the, um, you know, certainly for not-for-profit and community groups is that they're not run by political cycles. Uh, often, everyday, ordinary people feel like they're kind of trapped in between, you know, trying to navigate quite complex scientific models and different types of knowledge that's being put out. And then, you know, on the other hand, the different political ambitions of of the big parties, which make it quite difficult to to see where citizen engagement and participation can make a difference. But but community groups face their own challenges as well in terms of, you know, um, people staying in the same place. Uh, Resourcing, of course, is always an issue, Um, you know, competing priorities in in their busy lives. But I think what we did with our research was we, we, we know that there are lots of great initiatives that are currently happening. And what we set out to do was to, um, in a sense, map and, and profile some of those initiatives across all of the different scales uh, that are happening at the local scale so that people can, you know, hold on to some hope that, that, that change can happen and we can create, you know, the more sustainable futures that we all, you know, hope and believe, you know, is possible. So what's the advice to people out there if they're feeling a little bit disenfranchised or they don't feel like the government's action is hard enough or if maybe we get to Glasgow and the resolution that's reached isn't quite what people want? How how can people make a difference not only in their own lives but also in their own backyards and beyond that into their own communities? Yeah, so I mean, the first thing is that they 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 can vote. Um, so we, you know, if if they're if they're seeing if they're not seeing the action that we need uh, happening at the the different political scales, then, then they have power in their vote, and and they should use that uh, to the best of their ability. But but you know, in terms of actually feeling like you're doing something, there's nothing like actually taking action yourself. So um, looking around in the community for the types of uh, activities, and they're there. They're they're not very hard to uncover. Uh, We found literally hundreds of socially innovative practices, and we were particularly interested in when they're, um, you know, collaborative, ongoing, tailored to local circumstances, uh, addressing specific local issues. So they were the sorts of socially innovative activities that we were focused on. Uh, look around, um, they're there. And they're not just in the not-for-profit sector. There, there are some very progressive uh, sectors of the, of the business community and some councils are doing some really terrific work that should be supported and encouraged because often they're driven by um, public servants and not by uh, the politicians who, who may not be there for Well, thank you very much for being on the program this morning. Really appreciate your insights. And of course, we'll have to see what happens at Glasgow and how that compares to the local action. But uh, important to see the role that both play in making change. Indeed. Thanks so much, Richard. Thank you. you. Um, Associate Professor Wendy Steele with us there from RMIT. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.